Live from Chicago, it's Chris Sells His Soul. I'm your host, Chris Bogue, and this is my weekly show on LinkedIn Live, where I have conversations with cool people who will help you work more creatively. Today, my guest is Lydia Allen. Everybody in the comments, please welcome Lydia. And uh, Lydia, would you take a moment to say hello and tell the audience where they can find you? Hey, guys, I'm Lydia. It's nice to be here. Chris, thanks for having me. You guys can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on TikTok, Dyslexia 101 with Lydia. And you can also go to our website, jumpreading.org. Excellent. The show is called Find Your People. And before we begin, I'll take a minute to introduce myself. I am your host, Chris Bogue. If you would like to find me, you can visit me at ChristopherBogue.com. I coach people and sales teams to get on video. You can also find me on TikTok at Chris Sells His Soul or on Twitter at Chris Sells Soul. But the best way to find me is to follow me on LinkedIn and <laughs> ring my bell. I am a content creator, so I put content out there every single day. If you want to never miss an update, including any new shows every week at 3 p.m. Central, just look up Chris Bogue on LinkedIn and don't forget to click the button to get updates whenever I post. So today's episode is called Find Your People. It's gonna be all about TikTok and accessibility and learning how to speak directly to your people. And Lydia is a very special guest today because not only is she a TikTok sensation, but she's dyslexic. And she's here to teach us a little bit about dyslexia and the work that she does. So Lydia, hello. I'm very glad to have you here. And before I ask you your first question, I wanna throw it to the audience. Uh, so audience, I see we got Margo in here. We got James, Lucy, Molly, Julie, Kenny. Um, thank you so much for being here today. If you have any questions for Lydia, whether it's about dyslexia, whether it's about TikTok or video or creating content, please throw your comments and questions here in the feed. Uh, we will be answering your questions throughout the show. But yeah, Lydia, welcome. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So I'm going to start here. So the second half of this show is going to be about TikTok. But first, I want to talk a little bit about dyslexia and about what it's like to grow up without people understanding what you're going through. So can you tell the audience a little bit about your job and how long you've been in the line of work that you're currently doing? Yeah, great. So I'm Spider-Man's teacher. And what I mean by that is just like Peter Parker has all these things that he has to feel like, and it makes him feel awkward and uncomfortable and he's got to keep it all secret. That's what it's like to be dyslexic in a classroom. You feel awkward and uncomfortable and Oh my gosh, you want to keep it a secret because it's so embarrassing that you cannot read. And so growing up dyslexic and struggling with that, I went into dyslexia intervention and dyslexia therapy. And now I get to teach kids. I get to teach little Peter Parkers and help them transform into Spider-Man. So that's kind of what I do. And it's a lot of fun. It's awesome. Um, I want to pull back one step. And can you tell the audience, what is dyslexia? Good question. Okay, so dyslexia is a difference in neurological wiring of the brain that makes reading and spelling very difficult, but it also impacts other areas of your life. So directionality can become very difficult. Multi-step instructions, very difficult. So giving people with dyslexia bite-sized pieces of information that they can process. Sometimes it affects processing speed as well. So a great example of this would be like the person who's kind of sitting around and everybody else is laughing at a joke and the dyslexic person is like three seconds behind everyone. And they're like, ah, I got it. 
right? So that's kind of the processing speed example of that. Most commonly, it makes reading and spelling very hard. Can you tell me what it was like to discover that this is where the struggle was coming from? Um, How did you identify this when you were growing up? Or did you identify it at first? Okay, this is a great question, Chris. So, and I want to, I even want to take it a step back here. A lot of times parents don't want to, like they say, I don't want to label my child. And I will tell you that for me and for several people that I've spoken with, dyslexic adults, that label is so liberating because it gives you a reason why. So identifying as dyslexic takes this, why can everybody else do it, but I can't, it takes that away. There's a reason because until then you're just kind of reeling. You're left reeling in your mind. Everyone else can do it. I'm looking around, all my peers can do this and I can't, something is wrong with me. I am stupid and it's awful. And that sense of shame is very real and very heavy. And it ends up creating a lot of anxiety around school, but also around just everything because you feel like you're not independent. Think about how frequently you have to read. Every time you go out to dinner with a friend's family, you're worried about the menu. Can you read it? Can you order on your own? And so getting that dyslexia label for me was incredibly empowering. Not only that, but there's a solution, right? There's a solution to that problem. And so it allowed forward movement. Whereas before you're stuck in like this ugly trench, it's like muddy and gross and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. And every time you climb the wall a little bit, it's like the mud slides out from under you, slide back down. How, how old were you when, when you found out? How old was I when I got my official diagnosis? Yeah. Sixth grade? Sixth grade. I was older. I was older. So I've been dealing with that for a long time. And I didn't get intervention until then. But we knew that I had it. We we knew I struggled before then. And we mm-hmm. knew that reading was difficult. We knew that dyslexia ran in our family. But it's very difficult to get an official diagnosis. Yeah. So what did you have to do to get that diagnosis? How did it how did it get to the point where you, you actually went and found someone who could figure it out for, with you? That is... <laughs> How did it get there? Uh, My parents would probably be better to answer that question. Um, Basically, what happened was the school that I was at kind of thought that I was dumb. And so they were basically like, hey, we need to see if she is intelligent at all. So you need to go do a full scale IQ test or, you know, y'all got to run along. And so through that, my parents were able to find someone who did psychoeducational testing we did a battery of tests and spoiler, my IQ was just fine. Dyslexia, the reading was was definitely there though. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Well, this is here. I want to jump back. I'm going to throw a comment up here that I saw. So Robert Jones here asked, so I'm interested in this too, because I was even, you know, um, for anybody in the audience who doesn't know, so Lydia and I made a trailer this week where we had some fun and you know i was playing my boss character who's uh, rather ignorant sometimes and he expressed the common misconception that dyslexia is you read everything backwards Um, but i'm actually very interested here uh, and this happens with a lot of disabilities where the public gets some sort of impression often from pop culture and it's different from the lived experience of what that's actually like. So can you shine some light on maybe like, what are the biggest misconceptions people have about dyslexia? 
I would love to. It is not reading backwards, y'all. It is not reading backwards. Words are not moving around a page. However, there is a condition where words do move around a page and sometimes people have that and dyslexia. But those are two of the biggest myths. It's not real was a huge one because it's not visible, quote unquote. Fun fact, we can see it in the brain. So yeah, the reading backwards is the biggest one or that they see letters differently. They're still seeing act, right? Those letters are still there. They're still seeing them in that order. But what I kind of the way I describe this is it they see act and it goes into their little dyslexia blender and it comes out tap or or call. And you're like, where did you get that? And it's that dyslexia blender. It's that neurological difference. So that's another one. Dyslexic people are stupid. Reading and IQ have nothing to do with each other. Not one thing. They are completely separate. Um, so reading and IQ are not correlated at all. So that's another big one. What are some of the, the things that you guys have heard about dyslexia? And I can kind of tell you true or false. That might be another way to do this. Yeah, we can we can throw that in there in the comment section. You know, I want to like talk to you a little bit about you were struggling. You didn't know what was happening as a kid. You finally figured it out. I'm going to spoil for the audience what the second half is. Lydia has an audience of over a million who follows her on TikTok because she talks about this stuff personally. But when you were in sixth grade, TikTok did not exist. So can you tell me a little bit as a little girl, you discover you're dyslexic. Who did you have to talk about this? Or what kind of resources were available to help you understand how to deal with life this way? Zero. <laughs> um, I didn't have people to talk to. I had my parents who learned as much as they could. Uh, Y'all might find this funny, like to, to your credit, like, who did you have to talk to about this? We didn't have TikTok back then. Well, I asked my mom recently. I was like, why didn't you just Google it? She was like, um... Do you remember when? And I was like, oh, yeah, forgot about that. Really, I didn't have anyone in my life who truly understood. My parents did the best they could. They really did. And they consulted and consulted and consulted with people and learned as much as they could about it. So they were really what I had. You don't want to talk about it, though, because you want to hide it because you're so embarrassed and ashamed. So that was basically what I had. And there were a couple teachers who really believed in me, had no idea like how to deal with a child who was dyslexic, but they were just dead set on not letting me fall. Two in particular, and that is who I had to talk to about it. And I didn't talk to them about it at all. It was just a matter of like white knuckling it through school and I would not recommend that to anybody. And, and that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm on TikTok. That's why I kind of started this business, because I don't want anyone to feel the way that I felt. And I don't want any parents to feel the way my parents felt. Because, Chris, what happens is that everyone is so willing to tell you there's a problem. <laughs> and that's all they do. They just say, here's your problem. And there's Go try no harder. Go try harder. Go try harder. That's another great misconception. If they just tried a little harder, if they just read a little more. Just focus, you just know? Focus. And that's ridiculous. So I want y'all, you, Chris, and the audience, I want y'all to think about the hardest thing for you, okay? And then think about failing at that publicly for eight hours a day. It it's wouldn't be awesome. 
No. And so when you say like, and I guess I haven't thought about this in a while, but yeah, I just really didn't have anybody to talk to. I had some teachers who were wildly unsupportive. They also, to their credit, I am the the educator I am. I am in the business I'm in equally because of them, if not more so because of them than uh, those who were so supportive. Thank you. Well, you know, one of the reasons why I had you on today, I am trying to have a very different discussion about accessibility than the one I've seen throughout my adult life. Because you bring up the word accessibility and people think, oh, geez, here comes the guilt trip. People people are going to guilt me. They're going to tell me that I need to go spend $10,000 on my website. I don't have that money. I probably don't have any dyslexic people in my audience anyway. So who cares? And, you know, I, I, I do a lot about captions. I caption all my stuff. I, sometimes I'll bring on accessibility advocates here. And what I'm trying to tell corporate America is you are just leaving people out of your message, you know? And you can see here, you can see Lydia. Could you imagine what life would be like, audience, if she had just given up? Because they're like, she's stupid. She can't do anything. You are more successful on TikTok than most people on TikTok. You have a business where you help people that don't really have a lot of avenues to open up about this stuff. And I think now is a time where like education is struggling to keep up. Teachers, they've got big classrooms. It's very hard for them to keep on top of their stuff. It's very hard for them. And there are DEI trainings. There are trainings about how to be empathetic, how to deal with different types of people. And I'm trying to tell people, just listen to the people who are dealing with it. Go listen to Lydia talk about dyslexia. You know, listen to a deaf person. There are deaf people and blind people on LinkedIn who are dying to have people understand where they're coming from. But you got to take the time to listen. So yeah, I see right here, even uh, Cecilia, she posts right up here and says, you know, I see myself in your struggles. And um, And Chris, let me ask you, how many people are here? Oh, good question. I have no idea. Uh, And honestly, we're not looking at millions of people right now, but in a relatively not small, I don't want to say small because it's not, but we have someone else who is openly saying that they see that in themselves. Dyslexia is common. Y'all, 20% of the population is dyslexic. 20%. Really? 20 I had no idea. A lot of people are dyslexic. And dyslexia, yeah, anyway, sorry, I interrupted. But I I just think that's a really good point. So when we start talking about accessibility and what it looks like, and people who are here, I mean, people who are literally here are saying, me too. It's hard. Yeah. You know? I mean, accessibility, to your point is what I'm saying. Accessibility is important. Yeah, well, and, and again, people... I find corporate America is full of tryhards. They don't want to do anything unless they can do it correctly. And the more I bring on experts, the more I bring on people who work in accessibility, the more I learn you're going to make mistakes no matter how good you are at this. And no matter how deeply you understand it, even if you're an expert on captions, Sometimes some of your captions are going to make mistakes. And I'm sure even you as a dyslexic person sometimes make mistakes dealing with dyslexic students or families. You know, it is like you can't let the fear of doing it wrong prevent you from trying in the first place. Yes. And that is I had to have a deep conversation with myself about that when I started jump. Just being like, I can't let the fear of not being prepared stop me from doing it. And that is true for everything in life, 
any initiative, anything you want to start, you can't let the fear of like messing it up stop you because there's all, you're going to mess it up, period. Yeah. When we talk about accessibility and we talk about that fear and that stuff, it's really important as like someone, you know, who does this for a living. Like I spend 80 hours a week in dyslexia. I live dyslexia. So I spend, you know, all my hours a week, but like I, that's where I live. I don't expect that someone who's coming forward and asking questions understands everything I understand. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I talk to someone who is just as in it as I am, I expect that they're going to know things that I don't know, and I'm going to get to learn from them. And so to kind of what you're saying is not letting that fear stop you. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask the questions because that's where the conversation starts. And if we don't ask the questions, nothing happens. Yeah. Well, I think that is a great segue to our next segment. Gimme, gimme. Lydia, are you ready for gimme, gimme? Ready. Awesome. So this is a segment I do every week where I remind my audience that LinkedIn's purpose is self-promotion. So I'm all here for socializing. I'm all here for providing free knowledge and fun and comedy. But there comes a time where you have to go out there and just be direct with people and ask them for exactly what you want. So this is going to be a moment where I pop into character to give you a little bit more information about how you can purchase the services that me and my guest offer. So here we go. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Gimme Gimme. Lydia, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Good to have you here. Let's get right to it. Lydia, I want the audience to give you money. Now's your time. Ask them for anything you want. Yo, what I would really love for each of you to do, it's kind of complicated, but I want you all to go to TikTok. I want you to find a video and I want you to share that video with someone that you think that would matter to. That could be a teacher. That could be a parent. That could be a doctor. That could be an adult who's struggling. I don't care. Give me a follow. Find a video and share it because I really want to change how we think about dyslexia and accessibility. What are you people waiting for? Go follow her right now. Lydia, what's your TikTok name? Dyslexia 101 with Lydia. Dyslexia underscore 101 underscore with underscore Lydia. Dyslexia underscore 101 underscore with underscore Lydia. Get out there. Follow Lydia right now. I guarantee you she's got more TikTok action than you have. On that note, why don't you go ahead and hire Chris Bogue to come in there and train your sales team or coach you personally on sales and content creation. Yeah, I see you out there. I know you're all taking the laughs for free every single day. That's not how this works. This is capitalism, baby. You want the good stuff, you got to go out there and pay for it. You see the little trailers we do, me and Lydia out there doing intelligent comedy, doing thoughtful, hilarious stuff about accessibility and important issues. Can your team do that? Not yet. Because you haven't hired Chris Bogue. You got to go to chrisbogue.com. Go there. Search for my coaching packages. We're going to do wonderful content. We're going to make vidyards that are going to convert into sales meetings. We're going to go out there and blow your audience's minds with amazing content. And then you're going to get the demos, baby. We're going to blitz TikTok. You're going to be out there every day with insanely intelligent content. And you're going to get the demos. And you're going to make the money. But only if you hire me. Lydia, do you got anything else you want from my audience today? They're right here and they've got money. <laughs> They're right here. We got y'all. We are looking to hire really good teachers. If you know teachers, I would love to hire teachers. And it's summertime. It's a great time to start 
working on your reading skills. So if you know someone who is interested, has a struggling reader, doesn't have to be a dyslexic reader, struggles with reading, send them my way. It's so important. Reading is so critical. Yeah. And teachers, you know how much your job sucks, right? Wouldn't you much rather have Lydia as a boss than whoever your boss is right now? Because she's amazing. She's super cool. Uh, You could be out there really making a difference and helping students who really need the support. And your boss is totally lame. Lydia is way cooler anyway. So go ahead, share her stuff on TikTok. Hire Chris Bogue as a coach. Go apply for a job to teach with Lydia. This has been Gimme Gimme. Lydia, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, That was Gimme Gimme. We do that. Hopefully that'll get me an inbound or something. But that's a wonderful transition because we're going to be spending the rest of this conversation specifically talking about TikTok. So Lydia, you have a bit of an unlikely story for how you first blew up on TikTok. So I got a lot of people out there. They're hiring coaches. They're trying to figure it out. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was that you did the first time you went viral on TikTok? What I did? Well, not much. Uh, (laughs) It's not much, y'all. So my story is, I think I heard, Chris, did you describe it as anticlimactic at one point? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe this. So y'all, I am, we are getting ready to go on a road trip. It's my dad's 75th birthday. But before we can put everyone in the car to get going, dog has to poop, okay? So I'm in the backyard waiting on my dog to poop. And I just pulled out my phone. I'm walking around. I'm wearing like an exercise shirt, big old sunglasses. This is so not how I wanted a million plus people to see me, by the way. Had I known, I would have been like dressed and maybe looked a little nicer. Anyway, I pulled out my phone. I was just like, reading isn't natural. And I explained why. Maggie pooped. We got in the car. We went to my dad's birthday. And four hours later, my phone was blowing up. I had to turn off TikTok notifications. Every time I opened it, every two, three minutes, it was like 99 plus notifications. My email was going crazy. And it was it was wild. We were supposed to have a relaxing weekend at the beach. It was not so relaxing for me because it was just like, ding, 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 ding. It was, oh, it's wild. But great, great. And it really, y'all, I mean, if you have a business and you are not on TikTok, you're missing out. You really are. If I had known what this was going to mean, I would have been on it sooner. And I'll tell you, I was very, I was like, I was so resistant to TikTok. I really was. I was like, I'm not on, I didn't even have an account before I started creating content. If you looked at my personal social media, you would be like, this girl is not a social media person. And I'm not. But, and and when someone came forward, an advisor of mine came forward and said, hey, you got to get on TikTok. I laughed him out of the meeting laughed him out, sent him on his way, Uh, got on TikTok and immediately went back and was like, hey, sorry. Sorry, I kicked you out. (laughs) You were right. I'm back now. Now, this, This is what I want people to understand because I'm a coach. I do a lot of comedy because I have a background in improv comedy and sketch. And people look at me and they're like, well, I could never do what you do. I'm like, well, you're not going to do it exactly the way I do it. I spent a decade learning this very weird specific thing. But anybody who's interested in learning that too, now I'm an authority, you know, because this is something I lived. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of different TikTok people here. I have a lot of content creators on this show. And I always give the same advice out there. If anyone in the audience 
wants to get started making content on TikTok or LinkedIn or wherever, and you don't know what to do, talk about what you know. Just turn on the camera. And again, we, you know, I have someone here, uh, Corey here, he's asking, you know, what about people with speech problems? If you're a person who grew up having a difficult time speaking and you talk to the audience about that, everybody who has had that same experience is gonna identify with you. And if the audience doesn't know how TikTok's algorithm works, and the reason why people love it, because you can go viral without a following, is when you make a piece of content, it sends it to a small group first. It sends it to a group of like 100 people. And if it overperforms there, they shoot it out to a much larger crowd. And that's why you get people, especially new users who are putting stuff out there who just randomly go viral uh, without planning for it. So I would say when in doubt, you don't need to come up with this crazy world changing message. Just talk about what you already understand. And say it in a way, Chris, to add on that. And the video would have admittedly performed a lot better. I opened it with, I'm about to tell you something I bet you didn't know. Reading is not natural. Instead, I should have just come on and said, reading isn't natural. Boom, that would have hit way harder. Cut out the fluff and get right to it. And to whoever asked about the speech, if you are continuing to struggle with speech, that's okay. That's okay. You can still get out there and make content and it's gonna feel awkward and it's gonna feel uncomfortable. And you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I look like an idiot. It, nobody cares. Nobody cares. No, they don't. they don't. It's completely anonymous. Completely anonymous. How frequently do you remember a TikTok video you watched, right? So no, I'm just thought, some guy. I'm just some guy. And that's what I try to tell people is like, look, you are a face on a screen and people do not have time to Google you. Um, and they don't care. And they don't, they don't even think of you as a person. No, you're a character. Yeah. And they are willing to say whatever they, you know, so beware of that. People can be kind of mean, but it doesn't bother you as much as you think it's going to, by the way, because I, I thought that that was really going to crush my little soul and it didn't but if you what was gonna crush your soul like people being mean in the comments and things like that like that could you actually tell my audience about that because i'm seeing like jenny here you know she's talking about things that are stigmatized i'm actually curious what was that like when you actually started getting resistance or when you started getting people who were not so nice because that that is a big fear that holds people back from trying in the first place so y'all, a big piece of dyslexia is that sometimes, and you may have noticed it in my conversation today, is that you lose your words and it takes you time to gather them. So a lot of times when I'm public speaking, people will be like, you're so great at pauses. And I'm like, joke's on you. I lost my words. <laughs> um, so, so what ended up happening on this video that I went viral on? was that I paused frequently, but I didn't edit those pauses out because I was such an amateur with TikToking that it, it's a completely raw video. It's not planned, it wasn't scripted, it's just me saying what I'm gonna say. And what ended up happening, and I was walking around with a cup of coffee and people called me an alcoholic. People commented on like, oh, listen to her pausing, she must be drunk. People said that I had no idea what I was talking about. Well, that's fine because I catalog all my TikToks so I can reference the piece of research that I use to make the TikTok. So I was like, Matt, maybe you think I don't know what I'm talking about. But according to Yale Center for Dyslexia, 
I do. So, you know, I cataloged that and that was a kind of a nice buffer. People commented on my appearance a lot. People said both very hurtful and, and, and very um, inappropriate things. I have like canine teeth, right? And people said, called me a vampire, talked about that a lot. It was like weird stuff. And I was like, who How do you cares? not let it get to you? How do you, how do you, do you ignore it? Do you respond to it? Do you block it? What's okay. your reaction? If it is inappropriate or sexualized, I delete that. Okay. Other than that, I leave it. And you know what I noticed started happening? People came in and defended me, which meant the comments went up. Video took off even more. And I was like, hmm. What's up? So there, and then there's another one. And I, this happened yesterday where I woke up and someone had commented on a video and said that dyslexia is not real and it's just anxiety. Well, I was going to ignore that. And then it started getting traction in the comments. And I really want my platform to be a very safe space for people with dyslexia. So I, I made a video about it and I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was like, y'all, this is not, this isn't true. Uh, so you can respond in video. I've also seen people pin it to the top of their, um, if someone's nasty in the comments, they pin it so that when you open the comment section on the video, it's the first comment people see and people go ballistic defending you because you will end up with fans. Yeah, well, this is interesting. So I'm glad that like we're talking about this right now. On the one hand, it's easy for me to say because like, I've done I've done TV, I've done social media, I've done lots of big public things. And I can say with 100% certainty, women get way more worse abuse online than men. Men just get like, they do not attack our appearance nearly as much. Something about a woman going out there with confidence, there is a small percentage of the public who will attack you. And I don't know the best way to, you know, me personally, when somebody attacks me, I ignore them, but I, I don't want to pretend like that's as easy for other people to do as it is for me. If somebody says something rude to me, I've, you know, I have this belief and I, I believe there's actually some data on this, especially on a website like Reddit or TikTok or Twitter. Oftentimes trolls are teenagers. This is, it is often a 12 year old boy will be out there because growing up is brutal and people take out their frustrations by, by just piling on on strangers on the internet because you convince yourself that that's not a real person. So when I see somebody say something completely ignorant and disgusting, I just block them or delete the comment and go, oh, well, that was probably a 13 year old. I realize it's harder for women. So I didn't know that. about the 13 year old thing. That might explain some of the comments. I think that it's really important to know that when you are going out and you are advocating for something, you are upsetting someone's belief, mm -hmm. okay? And that's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to offer a safe space for people who believe this and also offer a carrot, right? Mm -hmm. You know, come pay attention to, to people who really disagree. And I think that like a lot of times for me specifically, when people would get really nasty in the comments, I would remember what happened to them as a dyslexic child that disrupted their belief in themselves so much? And how can I respond in a kind way? Oh, you get attacked by dyslexic people. Sometimes, yeah. Can you tell my audience about that? Uh, yeah, so people with dyslexia sometimes think that like, so people with this, people with Erlen's or scotopic sensitivity syndrome are often misdiagnosed as dyslexic. And that is where the letters are moving and shifting and they kind of look like they're swimming on a page, but that is not dyslexia. So the minute I get out there and say, dyslexia is not this, 
people jump on that because I've interrupted their identity, who they are, right? They've identified as dyslexic and that hurts them. And so coming back and saying, hey, you may want to speak with your doctor about this, this, and this is really important. So there's that. But most of the time, people are just being really petty or they're really deliberately trying to misunderstand you. And I think that's important too, is like to think about, and I had a message from a guy recently where it was like, he heard one thing that I said, pulled it completely out of context, clearly didn't look at any of my other videos and sent me a novel in the DM section or the messaging section or whatever, all about how, you know, he thinks that I'm probably trying to help and he's doing this in private so that it was out of respect for me. And I was like, that's a really veiled threat and I'm not interested in that. And so then he went on to be like, oh, you're probably trying to help, but you're only hurting everyone and blah, 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 blah. And I would tell everyone that I knew who's struggling with reading to ignore you. Y'all, and this was all because I said a warning sign of dyslexia. And he was like, warning signs is not a nice way to phrase it. That's fair. So I took that feedback and changed everything else from then on to signs. Okay, that's fair feedback. But to attack me for one thing, and explain, you know, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. And I blocked him. Like, I was like, you're out of here. I don't need any of that negativity on this space. So remember that you do have a little bit of control over your own platform. Well, that's interesting too, though, because that is, because you, you even did get a piece of feedback out of that. And I find there are people, so I'm, I'm curious as to like what you think the psychology is here. I have this firm belief that, and this is actually something I did an episode about Gen Z a couple weeks ago uh, with Mateo Elvira, but I believe Gen Z has a different concept of celebrity. And I actually feel like, um, especially when I grew up, the 90s, we have this really toxic way of thinking about celebrity where they are, we see a person who is successful and they're a different type of person, right? They're followed around by paparazzi or whatever. Um, there's gossip shows where people just say terrible things about them. Satire in the 90s was brutal. It was very cruel to people, especially women. And there's a big part of the country that has just learned, oh, okay, somebody's a celebrity. Well, that means we could say any disgusting thing we want about them and we can criticize every single thing they do because like, fuck them, They're, they make millions of dollars. And they don't realize that just because you see someone with millions of followers on TikTok does not mean they're a millionaire. They're a person who's just sitting around. And even if they were a they're celebrity- They're just waiting on their dog to poop. Yeah, and it's like, it. even if it is an actor, it's like, just because someone is in a movie doesn't mean that you have the right to say sexually degrading things about them or to accuse them of, you know, really hurtful things on a public forum. And, you know, I have this belief, and it's the way I write content is... It's like, you got to assume your audience is intelligent. And I do this with my audience. You know, we were talking earlier about students or people with speech impediments or people who are having trouble learning. Assume they are intelligent and assume they want to learn. And yeah, even with people who say nasty things, I try to dig into it. And if I'm going to engage with them, I, I kind of try to level with them and say, why are you speaking this way? This is a stranger you're talking to. Like, you know, why are you saying these sexual things to this woman that you've never met? And it's this thing where if you act like somebody's stupid, it gives them a license to act stupid. But when you act like they're intelligent, it kind of puts the onus on them to behave intelligently. Right. When and you respond maturely. I love that. I love that. I think there are times when it's good to respond and there are times when you need to cut your losses. If someone is dedicated to misunderstanding you, 
They are going to misunderstand you and they are going to be like this with everyone. The other thing too that I think is super important is if someone's being a jerk to you on TikTok, I want you to click on their site. Go look at them because guess what? I'll tell you something. They either never make content or their content always flops or they only make negative content that complains about something else. They are yeah. not builders. They're just, I don't want to say destroyers, deconstructors. Okay. Yeah. And who cares what those people think? You are on TikTok to spread a message. You're on TikTok because you believe in something. You want to talk about something. So go talk about it. Screw the rest of the people. Yeah. You kind of have to get hurt a little bit before you really understand this. And again, it's much easier for me to say because I'm just like goofy white guy. Like we get, we get the pass to do most things. Um, but I will even say, even here on LinkedIn, everybody knows I make a lot of content. I send my content to people too. That's the thing is like, I, if I work very hard on something, like for example, this podcast, right? So we're talking about accessibility. Some percentage of my audience wants accessibility. They want to learn more about it. They want to understand it. This is a topic they're interested in. So when me and Lydia make a trailer, I'm going to send it to them uh, and I'll send an invite and be like, Hey, I'm having this talk coming up. I think you'd enjoy this. And it's hard for people to say, come check out my content, come check out my show. And if the audience is curious, I do have people sometimes who say, what is it? You spam me with this? What are you sending this for? You know, and they, they get very rude about it. And I just disconnect. I say, hey, sorry about that. And I disconnect with them. But you're right. It's the same thing where I go look at their job. I go look at what they're doing. And they tend to be frustrated people who aren't happy with where they are in life. And when I send my content to a CEO... Or when I send my content to a, a content creator who has much more success than I do, usually they go, thanks. And we start. Like, yes, awesome. Yeah. And it's the, the successful people are the ones who want you to win. And oftentimes the people who are sitting there pointing out your flaws, making fun of your smile or making fun of the way your forehead is shaped or whatever, they're miserable. You know, and they're just trying to take it out on someone and they're trying to bait you into noticing them because they don't feel like anybody notices them and they don't feel like anyone listens to them. And they're, they see you getting noticed and they see you being accepted and it makes them angry and they're trying to bring you down. And I, I don't let them, you know, and if they're, if they're not there for a debate, you just turn off their microphone. I'm fine just uh, disconnecting, blocking with them. Or if somebody puts something really rude on, on LinkedIn, I will give them a chance. And I'll delete it and I'll send them a DM and say, hey, we don't do that. We don't attack people here. Feel free to resubmit your comment. But you're not allowed to say ignorant things about people in the thread here. We're, we're having a discussion. Well, and that's another great point, which is I make the assumption generally, unless it's super obvious, right? Like there are times when it, you just can't do this. But I make the assumption generally that this person didn't mean to be mean. Right. Oh, okay. A lot of times they're saying something and I've engaged with them and they actually are trying to get information, but they themselves are so frustrated that it came out in kind of a nasty way. And if you going back to kind of what you said, if you treat them like they're smart or if I like in my case, if I treat them with kindness and respect, a lot of times they come back and they're like, oh, and then they want to talk and they want to like and then you've you've helped someone. Right. Which is kind of the point, or at least for me on TikTok, like I'm not out there because I want people to say negative things about me. I'm out there because I want to help people. So that's another, that's another thing is you can also take the approach of like, 
it's really sad how miserable this person is. I wonder if they didn't mean it the way it came out or this person is dedicated to misunderstanding me and they all they want to do is tear other people down. So out you go. Yeah, it's important to figure that out in like actually, I mean, I've just, I've been doing this long enough. I've dealt with enough hecklers. I've been a blogger. I've been, a you know, I've dealt with trolls. I know when someone is deliberately missing the point. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any time for that. If somebody is legitimately, they want to understand, I am fine with that. And again, I've had comments where someone says something kind of nasty to me and I kind of just like take it in stride. And once they see that, it's like, oh, I thought he was going to like go off on me or something, but they stopped about it. Yeah. I actually want to add, this is an interesting content here or question here. It's kind of a little bit uh, more to our original topic. So we got Jenny in the audience. She's asking, how often do you create TikTok content? Yeah, in the early days, um, I was posting five to seven times a day. Uh (laughs) So a lot. It wasn't always about having the most polished thing. A lot of the feedback that I get, y'all, this is super important. Five to seven videos a day sounds like a lot because it is. Here's the deal. When you're creating content, it's really important to just be you. Okay. It doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, you know, Insta worthy. It's TikTok. We don't care. We just want the information and we want it to be in like a quick poppy way. And let's get the information and move on. Right. And, you know, I think that that's something that's really important. And the more you create, the better you get at it and the more efficient you get at it. So um, then after, like now I kind of take TikTok breaks because sometimes we just need a breather. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, my account was really hot. Everything I was posting was just boom, 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 boom. And then I took a break and now it's like slowed down. So TikTok, it feels like, and Chris, you may be able to answer this, but sometimes it kind of feels like they punish you a little bit for like taking a break. And then, but I'm like, I don't care. Like I've got to take care of myself, but yeah, that's what I do. So, um, and then I sometimes will batch record. So if I'm kind of in a mood where I feel like I can rock and roll, get it up, get it going, I'll batch record it and just save it in the drafts and then drop the uh, videos in the days to follow. Yeah, this is actually an interesting question, Jenny, because I don't post nearly as often as uh, Lydia. I'm not nearly as successful on TikTok as Lydia uh, has been. I actually have a bunch of batched TikToks sitting in a project file and I got to push one out today. I got a bunch that I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting more into batching them. I do a different style of TikTok where sometimes it's me, sometimes it's me in character. You know, so I'll go, sometimes I'll shoot a bunch of TikToks all on one piece of video as me, and then I'll switch into the boss and I'll do a couple as boss and then I'll throw the green screen up and I'll jump on as my character Vagman. Um, So I've got some new stuff coming up, but I do think it's clear, like Lydia has a business and she's talking about the things that her people want to know. And I run a business and I make content that, shows what I know and speaks to the problems that my people are are experiencing. So I am a big believer in you need to be clear what you want out of this, whether you're posting on TikTok or LinkedIn or Instagram. And it's like, are you trying to get a message to your people or are you trying to get famous? Because I actually have, I'm actually, I was actually going to make a TikTok about this. I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, but sometimes you will go viral 
not because the content of your performance, but because you just chose a type of post that tends to go viral. And I'll, I'll, I'll do an example of this. First video that I ever had that went viral, I did the Wolf of Wall Street pen challenge, right? Where it's like, sell me this pen. And I the same thing happened. You put it out there. All of a sudden, every time you open your phone, you got 99 new likes. You're getting all these follows. It's crazy. Then what I did was I, I typed, sell me this pen. And I found, oh, if you do the sell me this pen thing, it's just much more likely to go viral because that's just a popular type of post that people like. And I've never had a trend go viral. What was that? I've never, I am terrible with trends, y'all. I've never had a trend go viral. I'm like the worst at them. Right. But I mean, the reason why I'm having you on here is because you accidentally went viral because you had a message that was impactful. And I coach people like the virality is not the point, especially if you run a business. And I have found that TikTok videos perform well when you repurpose them on LinkedIn. So it's like if you are a salesperson or if you are an entrepreneur and you only need to bring on four new clients each month, don't forget that your goal is to get four clients this month, not to get a million likes on TikTok. Yeah. And it's like... If you make impactful content, you're more likely to hit the bullseye. But I feel like too often people are chasing the fame and it's almost like they become a TikTok employee or a YouTube employee. And now it's like they're working for the algorithm instead of finding their people and making content that their people are going to enjoy. I could not agree more. Okay. This is so important, y'all. First of all, one thing I want to add to how often you create content. One of the things that stopped me from creating content or panicked me about creating content was I was afraid I was going to run out of ideas. You're not going to run out of ideas because you know what you're going to do when you run out of ideas? You're going to take a video that performed well, you're going to remake it and do it again. Okay. You're not running out of ideas. Next thing is you don't want to go viral. And I said this um, on another show that I was on and someone in the comments went, oh, boo hoo. You don't want to go viral. I will tell you, it is so stressful. You're trying to respond to every comment that's coming in. You're trying to respond to all these emails, all these DMs, all this stuff. And you're trying to, you need to be 15 people and it's not fun. And it's very, very stressful. So when that happens, I highly encourage you to set up systems just in case. Like what kind of, kind of video you think it's going to be. But remember, your point is not to go viral. No one cares if you're viral. Literally no one. It has impacted my life, zero. I mean, it's impacted my business a lot. But as far as like my personal life, it's not like I've got people walking up to me on the street being like, oh my gosh, you're Lydia Allen, the dyslexia girl. Like nobody cares. It's like people see the high performing content. I get it all the time. They're like, well, you're basically famous. So I'm like, oh, you should tell Saturday Night Live that because they haven't noticed yet. I haven't gotten the call to host. <laughs> I know. You know. I was like, hey, you should tell... You know, I've got all kinds of people that I would love to meet. And I'm like, you should drop it into this person. Love to hang out with them. If I'm famous. Yeah. They're well, famous. Well, know? this is something, this is a comedy thing that I learned too, where it's like the boring truth is actually not as boring as you realize. And, you know, one thing they taught me in improv training at the Second City is like, you do not lie. If you have to go up there and give a monologue as an idea generator before a scene, you want to tell the honest to God's truth. And if I brought up an audience member, we do a game, there's a game called The Day in the Life, where you bring an audience member up, you have them recall their day, and then you reenact their day. And if you can tell they're lying, you got, you got to get them telling the truth. If I bring someone up on stage and I interview them about their prom, you know, let's say the suggestion we get is prom. 
and they had a boring prom. It's actually going to be a funnier improv show if I make them explain to me this very boring prom than if they try to make up this really exciting story that didn't happen. Boring prom would actually be a hilarious scene because you're going through it every scene. It's just like, you know, the joke is you go for the lamest thing possible. Um, But the little lame details of like my mom dropped me off and all that, you know, these things were like, I didn't get to go drink. I didn't like, that's what's funny. And that's what's relatable. And yeah, if you just go say the truth instead of what you think the audience wants to hear, that's what gets you noticed. Well, and I'll tell you, so the reason my account got really hot a couple of weeks ago was the lamest TikTok I've ever made. That's not true. There have been lamer, but I was like, oh, I haven't posted in a while. I need to post something. I don't really feel like posting. And I just pulled out my phone and I was like, okay, guys, a lesser known sign of dyslexia is having a messy room. Done. I was done. Holy cow. This sucker took off. And I was like, what? Like that was the least useful content I could have ever made. And there it was. They were excited because kids, it it landed on kids for you pages. So it brought them in to listen to what dyslexia is. And it gave them a sense of community. And you know what else it did, y'all? It got them to send it to their parents. Parents contacted me and were like, hey, can you help my kid learn to read? I was like, I sure can. That was an interesting little twist. So you have to be aware of how when you throw something out on TikTok, let it go and watch what happens. Watch what your market is telling you and then adjust and go again. That's the beautiful thing about TikTok is you have as many chances as you want because that video is dead. This is not evergreen content like on YouTube. It's not searchable. So once that video is done, it's dead. You can try again. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned as a performer is at some point you don't even own the art anymore. It's like you as a creator, you make it what you can. But once people love it and embrace it, it takes on a whole world of its own. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, I did not intend to have this boss character coming back constantly. I did not, Vagman is my character that was supposed to be a one-time character. My audience started telling me what they loved. They're like, I really loved this and I would like more of this. And I'm sure you get this all the time, Lydia, when someone tells you, hey, this really helped me. This helped me understand myself. This helped me get across something I've been trying to say to the people and I haven't been able to find it. When you start getting that kind of content, you have your roadmap. You say, okay, this is what's making the world a better place. This is what's helping my people. Let's go do more of it. I'll do more of it, even if it's not what you wanted to share with them. That is, and for me specifically, people latched on to the strengths of dyslexia. And I wanted to do those. I didn't want to do as many as I did. Like I thought that there was other more important information out there that they needed. They wanted that. That's what we did. And I'm getting ready to do another series about it because that's what they needed. Not many other people on this planet are qualified to deliver that message the way you are. So Lydia, I, I wish I could interview you forever. Unfortunately, we're running out of time here. I know. I'm sorry. I talked so much. Oh, I'm sorry. We couldn't talk even further. But fortunately for my audience, uh, we can continue this conversation because you can follow Lydia online. Lydia, would you remind my audience one more time where they can find you if they want to learn more about what you do and follow your content? Yes, please go follow Dyslexia 101. See, did y'all see that happen where I lost my words? Dyslexia underscore 101 underscore with underscore Lydia. So dyslexia, and if you just get on TikTok and type in Lydia Allen dyslexia tutor, it'll pop right up. 
follow me on LinkedIn. I don't post as much there, but I'd love to stay in touch. Get on our Facebook. I'm there. But you know, you can also find me at jumpreading.org. Send me an email. If you have questions, I'm happy to chat. Awesome. And if you would like to revisit this conversation later, we will be releasing this episode as an audio podcast. You can find all previous episodes of this show on Stitcher and Spotify. My show is called Chris Sells His Soul. Uh, So you can check out all the past episodes. I'm going to be releasing last week's episode with Julian Mather, uh, who's a videographer who's traveled the world for a long time. He did a great episode about how you can make professional video content with your phone. Um, so stay tuned for that to drop on this weekend. I'm your host, Chris Bogue. You can find me on LinkedIn by clicking my bell. You can find me on TikTok at Chris Sells His Soul or Twitter at Chris Sells Soul. Or you could check me out at ChristopherBogue.com if you want to hire me as a video coach. This has been my show this week. I'll see you next week at 3 p.m. Central on Thursday. Lydia, say bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it.